just gotta get set up. But we'll we'll record in case uh, anything anything pops, a- anything cool happens. Yeah, like a once in a lifetime, maybe one of us will get visited by a by interdimensional a ghost, being, a ghost of Christmas future. Oh my god! Maybe you never. Have you ever been visited by a ghost of Christmas? Uh, any kind? I don't think I've been visited by a Christmas ghost. Or a regular ghost. I don't have any many ghost experiences, which is weird because a lot of people died in my house growing up. Really? Oh, yeah. I grew up like on a farmhouse that had at least five or six people dying, just of old age generally. And then before you were there or while? Oh, yeah. Before I was there. Yeah. Uh, And then my uncle died on the property when he was 16 or 17. So, but he did not. No ghost? No ghost. No, he'd probably be out of the field. He got his... <laughs> it's funny to me now because I didn't know him and I wasn't there. But he died trying to uh, tame a wild horse. <laughs> yeah, he got his... <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's a funny thing. It's Go a on. weird thing. He... <laughs> he uh, okay, well, I've been told two stories of how he died. One I've been told... I was told when I was younger that by my dad that he died trying to uh, ride a horse and it broke his back. And then I was told later on by my dad that he died in a car accident. So I don't know which one to, is true. So I go with the funny one. To me, it sounds like maybe they're both cover-up stories for something a bit more malicious. It's quite possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised. My dad is a criminal. So, Just the uh, of the grow-up variety, though. Grow-up variety. He did a bunch of drug stuff in the States, and he's definitely... Uh, physically assaulted people and was arrested for attempted murder at least once in his life and murder for once in his life. But he, he didn't get convicted, so we'll stop talking about it there because I definitely don't know whether or not he did it. <laughs> Do you want us to cut that out? or no, is it, that, it doesn't matter to me. It's, <laughs> it's an never. interesting tidbit. <laughs> speaking, speaking of horse-related deaths, uh, there was a guy at my school whose sibling's dad died because... Okay, I'm going to have to do a bit of a this guy's sibling's dad's friend kind of thing. So this guy, let's just call him Tom because that was his name. His dad adopted Tom's siblings from Mm. their dad after he died. Yeah. And how he died is Tom's dad and their dad were uh, roasting a horse on a bonfire. Yeah. And Tom's dad's friend poked the horse with a stick and it exploded and the ensuing vacuum pulled him into the fire. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Horse vacuum. That's a death you don't hear of very often. I don't know how true that is, but it just seems like a really weird lie to tell. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like a strange lie, but there's many strange lies in the world. Uh, I feel like that there's this list on Wikipedia that I love to frequent called List of Unusual Deaths. It's something I go to at least once or twice a year just to see if it's been updated with anything. And I feel like that's a death that would definitely be on there because it's just a list of weird ways people have died throughout the years. Like I remember one in specific was this chemistry student who liked to make his own gum. But one day he mistakes other chemicals for his gum and he exploded his face. Which is, again, very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's tragic if you're there. But. It's very tragic at the time, but that was in, like, the 90s. Everyone's over it. That It was in the Ukraine. 
I shouldn't say I guess the it Ukraine. Was, it's Ukraine. Not it's the Ukraine. Ukraine. The Ukraine bad. makes it a uh, Russian territory. Yes, I feel yeah. very. I feel bad for saying that, especially since I am half Ukrainian. But, right. But my grandparents would always say it with the "the," which always threw me off when people started saying, "Hey, don't say that." I'm just like, "Well, they were there during the Soviet reign." No, they. they moved, I assume. No, they were. They grew up in Canada. Uh, they. I think they moved here when. They were like five and six, somewhere. They were very young when they moved right. here. They both still had their accents, their Ukrainian accents, but I assume that was because they were homeschooled, so they just learned it from their parents kind of thing. Makes but, sense. Yeah, I'm not too certain. On Over a snow-covered hill and under the Star of Bethlehem, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another non-denominational episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. Happy Holidays. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. If love is a labor, I'll slave to the end. I'm joined today by Rory Dunn. How's it going, Rory? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Douglas? I'm well, thanks. That was a uh, reference to some ink that is written across your arms. Did I get the, the quote right? You did. You did. Yes, it is a song by the band Rise Against. From The, uh, the song is Swing Life Away. And they were one of my favorite bands growing up. Still one of my favorite bands now. Uh, but getting a tattoo of them, probably a bit much, especially for a first tattoo across both my arms that I'm going to have forever. But hey, what, what you going to do about it? Oh, it's a source of good material for you. Exactly. Source yeah. of a good intro for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're co-host of the podcast, The Show Must Go On. Yes, yes. What can you tell us about that? So it started as a project it, uh, between myself and another comedian who's currently out in Nova Scotia named Grayson Engel. Uh, when we both lived in Regina, Regina has a very small comedy scene in that there are 10 comedians and you can do five shows a month. That is all of the comedy there. Uh, and so basically we're both just like, I want to do more writing cause it's hard to get more inspiration when you don't have, you're not doing shows all the time. You're not constantly working material. So we're just like, let's do so, something to do more writing. So we decided to do this podcast and then Grayson had to leave and, uh, he's had to move back to Nova Scotia where his sister is. And so I started with another comedian in Regina, uh, Tim Kaler and, yeah, that's how it started. The pod, the idea behind the podcast is we pitch sequels to films that never got any, uh, and we tell the full story, and then people get to vote for which one of the two pitches that we do they would actually like to see, which basically we added the t- thing about voting so that people, we both of us would keep trying to just be better. We don't want to get too lazy. We don't want to have bad pitches. And so it's kind of a competition between both of us still. And that's what kind of keeps us motivated to make good pitches and have good ideas for these films that will never come to me. What are some of your favorite pitches that have come out of it? I think my favorite pitch that I've ever done was I did a sequel for the movie Looper, which was very hard to figure out because that is a time travel movie that is quite intricate in its uh, plot. So I... It was very hard to make it so that it still makes sense within the universe. And I had people time travel three or four times in that movie. And to me, it kind of... Have you ever seen the movie or heard of the movie Primer? No. It's a, it's one of the most confusing time travel movies ever made. And I was basically just like, I want to make this so confusing that people don't know if it works or not. And I think I definitely achieved. I'm very proud of that pitch. 
Uh, one of my favorite episodes, though, was we did sequels. Uh, we did Crank 3, and we just went insane because the Crank movies are absolutely insane. They make no sense. And both of us were just like, we could just have anything happen. Like, Tim's idea was... The main character gets his heart replaced by an actual engine and he has to drink gasoline to make his heart run, which is insane, but also hilarious and fun. And we both had so much fun doing that pitch. It's also likely of a thing that they might do. Yeah, we both just both of our pitches like mine was, oh, I can't. Mine was he had to keep burning himself or something because he ends up super burnt and charred at the end of the last one. I'm just like, oh, he just has to keep lying himself on fire yeah <laughs> we're just like yeah both of these are very possible for this um i i like it i like the one thing my our one friend josh fleming he guessed it on uh episode where we did chronicle and he always calls us uh film vultures because basically we're just circling the corpses of dead films and just being like uh are they gonna reboot this one let's get in there first like they're doing zombie land too now and we already did that on the podcast we're both just kind of like i wonder if anything that we had ideas for will end up in this sequel the likelihood is not at all but it would be fun to see like if Keanu Reeves is in that sequel, that was me. I I pitched Keanu Reeves in Zombieland too, and I want that to happen very badly. Does he sort of John Wick his way through a bunch of zombies? This was uh, before I'd seen any John Wick. My my idea was he would think that he's the one, like the Matrix, and that he's like super special and he can is able to save anything, and then that ends up getting him killed because he's just a normal guy. Uh, well, except that he is actually an immortal vampire. He you? is an immortal vampire, yes. Him and you know who doesn't get re- much recognition for being an immortal vampire? I forget his name now. He played in the new Judge Dredd. He's Bones. Carl and- Urban. Carl Urban. He yeah. is also a vampire. Was it you who posted about that recently on Twitter? Yeah, yes, that was me. Because I'm just. Oh, yeah. Because I was recently rewatching. Maybe that's why it's on my mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was recently rewatching the Lord of the Rings trilogy for a show I did a few weeks back, and I'm just like. He looks exactly the same. And then I pulled up the pictures. I'm just like, no, he looks younger now than he did in those movies. It's crazy. Yeah. Old money will do that to you. That's true. Yes. Like Tom Cruise. How old is he? Like 67? 56. 56. I have a theory behind that one, though. The Scientology souls or something? Yeah, Scientology is completely true. And it's working? It's working. That explains him. That explains him completely, right? I guess that makes sense. I'm not sure how much sway they have over Hollywood anymore. Like, I don't know if you need to be complimenting them that much. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Because, uh, I mean, John Travolta's career is not going well. He does have a lot of money. But his face, has, that's proof that it doesn't do all, money doesn't affect your face that long, really. That's true. Uh, it's very puffy. But, uh, yeah, no, there's still quite a bit of Scientology stuff going around from what I can tell. I thought about going into the Scientology thing here just to see, but I know that they definitely kicked me out. I've had a uh, e-meter reading before. Oh, really? How did it go? It was good. So I used my friend's name mm-hmm. and address and email address and phone number the whole time. He still gets sent uh, literature. He got a free Dianetics book out of it. I mean, that's how you should go about that. But I just told him a bunch of my real traumas and it worked out quite well. Oh. My other friend came in and did the same thing for a fourth friend. Uh, he, he made up all sorts of things about uh, that he was late to court for a a hearing about Pig Campus Kids or something. But uh, when the person who was doing my reading 
And this was at the Perth Royal Show, which is... Yeah, they had a Scientology e-reader tent at the Royal Show next to the Boy Scouts sign-up tent. Oh, that sounds amazing. I don't know if you have something like the Royal Show here. It's kind of like the PNA, PNE, but once a year, and also the farmers will come out and you have prize pigs and stuff. Yeah, I don't think they have anything like that here in Vancouver. I have, I've only been here for a year and a half now. Yeah, uh, me too. Oh, really? Crazy. Uh, but it, I know in Regina, in Saskatchewan, they have something fairly similar to that, but probably... You kind of have to take the peony and the Regina one to combine them to get what you're getting at is what I'm sensing. Yeah, it's a, it's like a big thing they do once a year. And people, some certain people will save up as that's their family vacation once a year. It's a whole thing. But the person uh, that was conducting my reading told me about this rebirthing thing they do where they they get coddled and held down by a bunch of people. And it just sounded so traumatic. And then they come through this big synthetic vagina and yeah. a reborn they get broken down first and she was saying it as though it was this really beautiful experience but it sounded like she was just being broken yeah that sounds definitely i don't know i could being the way you describe it i'm just kind of like that kind of seems nice i don't know but i also like being held by numerous people so that's just a me thing maybe uh i've definitely heard of that thing happening at burning man they do something very similar to that at burning man oh so, yeah yeah yeah, I don't think it's as traumatic because it's not by Scientology, and I imagine most things Scientology touch are very traumatic. But yeah, they've definitely heard and met people who were like rebirthed, right. quote unquote, at uh, Burning Man. So I went to Burning Man in 2014. Okay, we we're actually talking about this today. My friend didn't believe me. We were trying to figure out: Do you think there's <laughs> a, a gallon of cum spilled during that celebration? And I I did some. Uh, estimates using some um estimated math today mm -hmm. and i got to like 270 gallons okay well uh, yeah i could see that i don't i've it's never been pretty much a sex festival that's what i'm thinking like i've never been to burning man i've never personally had any interest in that because i've never i'm not a i don't do drugs i've never yeah. been in that culture and i feel burning man's a fairly drug around culture kind of thing that's but fair to say yeah, yeah, and and that's not an insult to anyone. People can do drugs. I don't. I don't care. Uh, it's just not for me. So that's why I've never been there. But I'm also just like the people I've met at Burning Man have definitely slept with lots of people at Burning Man. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, 127 gallons. That's a that's a lot, but not unreasonable. No, that, that I was going to make a joke there that wasn't funny. So I'm just going to cut out and <laughs> saying this. But something something to do with 127 hours having 127 gallons of cum. Yeah, would have he, been, he would have survived a bit longer. He, no, he just would have had to rub it on the arm and he could have slipped it out. That's a good point. Yeah. That, there's your sequel. There 127 hours to 127 gallons. Yeah. There we go. Uh, have you ever done Schindler's List? No, we haven't done Schindler's List. We mostly do, we stick to comedies a lot right. because we're comedians, but we also, we're both nerds so we do like comedies we do some science fiction and fantasy here and there he does tim the co-host doesn't like horror very much so i mostly i get to do one horror movie a year around uh halloween because uh, he doesn't like horror but i'm just like i get to do one for halloween but yeah we mostly stick to comedies and stuff like our the next episode we're doing is pop star never stop never stopping which was one of the funniest movies of this last decade i personally believe and i'm looking forward to that but no, never really serious ones. We don't touch as often uh, just because, again, we're both comedians. So we like to have a bit more fun with that. And it makes it 
not as fun of a show sometimes. Like sometimes they're really good shows. Like we recently did uh, The Place Beyond the Pines, which is a like a Odyssey drama kind of thing. And that was a pretty good episode. We both had very good ideas for that. But again, it just doesn't feel as fun of an episode. We don't get to banter quite as much, it seems. But yeah. I mean, unless you gave it sort of a comedic twist. We give it, sometimes we give it a comedic twist, but we also, we're both kind of just big movie nerds and we yep. kind of like to stick within the genre that we're doing too like we will banter here and there but we like to just we don't want to change the genre we don't want to make it too silly because we're just kind of like we actually want to have good ideas from the actual films and we want to have keep the tone of the first one kind of thing is a big thing we touch on quite often yeah uh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I do enjoy doing it. And I've recently started doing lots of bonus episodes with comedians here in Vancouver, which I've really enjoyed. Because one thing I we lost when I moved here to Vancouver is it's it's a bit harder to have the a good communication. You never have the same like a uh, vibe with someone unless you're in the same room with them. So doing these bonus episodes, I found, oh, I get to interrupt them and they interrupt me a bit more than when we're over the, I'm over the phone with Tim. Uh, that's something I miss. And I, I'm happy to reintroduce that with the bonus episodes and hopefully soon get to, when I visit Tim, we'll, we'll be doing a bunch of episodes back to back most likely. So yeah. So he's still in Regina. Yes. He lives in Regina. He's, he, he's a full time, he's a full time employed person. He has a family there. He's not, he does comedy, uh, but it's not a focus for him. So it's just something fun he likes to do. So yeah, he has a life that he's not willing to uproot to come to Vancouver to do stand-up comedy open mics. So you moved to Vancouver to do comedy? Yes. Yes. I moved here to do comedy uh, because that's all of that. And like I went to film school in Regina and again, Regina, Saskatchewan, not known for their film community anymore. They cut the tax credit in Saskatchewan, I don't know if you knew that or any of your listeners know that. Uh, basically, the government about, oh, it's been seven or six years ago now, we're just like, no more tax incentives for filming here. And then all the companies were just like, that we're just not going to film here. And about 500 people were, uh, uh, great people were just like, well, we're just going to have to leave this province now because there's no career here for us. So a bunch of people up and left and there's no film community basically in Saskatchewan anymore because they can't, they couldn't have a living there, which is very unfortunate. And they've taken slow, very slow steps to reintegrating that because they realized, oh, this was a terrible idea. Now we're losing a bunch of money because the fil- film is a big business that makes lots of money. Uh, but still, it just wasn't worth staying there just to wait and see if something were to come up. So yeah. is that a provincial law? Yes, that's a provincial thing. Yeah. Right. And I, I guess most stuff gets filmed like Vancouver and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but I, maybe there'd be a, a lot of good rural Lots of horror movies, lots of horror movies, kind of post-apocalyptic stuff gets shot there because uh, they find abandoned farmhouses, smaller towns that are able to manipulate a bit more, stuff like that. Uh, We had sitcoms there like uh, Corner Gas, which was one of the biggest sitcoms in Canada for quite a while and still very popular around the world. It was all filmed in Saskatchewan. Uh, Lil Mosque on the Prairie was another like CBC sitcom, which ran for quite a few seasons, too, was filmed just uh, the town over from the one I grew up in. Yeah, it was it was a very big business. And then they just got rid of it, which is crazy. But what can you do about that now? (laughs) So did you leave for that reason? I I left mostly for comedy because when I came here, 
it's hard to do both comedy and film work because uh, I can't. It's hard to do like sixteen hour days and then go to an open mic or go to a show and make that work. So yeah, I'm mostly focusing on comedy. I have film. It's super easy to get into, in my opinion. Like I've had some experience and. Basically, they're always looking for people. So if at that some point in my life, I'm just like, I don't want to do comedy anymore. I'll just jump back into film. So, so what did you do in film? I was an assistant director, uh, m- mostly like basically a uh, production assistant, which is the lo- very low end, low rung stuff. But I did uh, do second AD work, which is kind of like timekeeping and scheduling for the next day in the entire shoot. I did first AD work, which is just kind of running the set. Uh, for one feature film while I was in Saskatchewan as well. So, Do you produce Laughathon? Uh, I am one of the showrunners of Laughathon, which is a open mic comedy uh, every single Wednesday night in uh, Kitsilano. Uh, it's at Sharky Bar and Grill. It starts, sign up is at 8.30 and the show starts at 9 o'clock. And it's uh, it's open mic comedy, so it's it's lots of fun to run that show. I I get to host it. I run it with two other great comedians here in the city, uh, Dusty Cersei and Jake Spencer. And uh, yeah, it's it's open mic comedy, so you never know what's going to happen. But it actually has a fairly good audience a lot of times. Like people in the community, there's not a ton of stuff they can do in Kitsilano for free, I guess. So they're just like, oh, there's a free comedy show. Let's just go hang out, have some drinks on a Wednesday night. Yeah. I find open mic nights in Vancouver have kind of a pro-am feel to them. A lot of times, because we get quite a few like pro drop-ins at a lot of the open mics because a lot of people are constantly working material here. And I think a lot of it is also like uh, Canada as comedy as a whole. Like a lot of people, they only have so many comedians that they can fund at a single day at a time day week month at a time so it's just like well we have all these comedians out there's still a bunch of comedians in the city who make their living doing that just at home because they don't have any gigs for that week or whatever so they're just still working material so they need to go somewhere uh and also just the amateur scene here is just great there's so many great up-and-coming comedians in the city that that yeah any night you can always get get a laugh at an open mic yeah I first saw you at the Kino mm-hmm. uh, open mic maybe three weeks ago mm-hmm. or something. I was longer than that. Was it? Yeah, I reckon it was like over a month ago. Yeah, uh, time is a strange beast. Yeah. <laughs> I've been slowing down a bit on the open. I just haven't had time. I recently moved in with two other comedians, actually. So it's been a bit hectic of a, a few weeks here for me. Uh, so I actually haven't been to many open mics. Uh, so yeah, we've been a little bit longer ago. A little while that. ago. Yeah. Does that uh, affect your your work at all, living with other comics? Uh, I've, it's only been two weeks so far, but uh, I don't think it probably won't. Maybe it will make me force me to write more, if anything, hopefully. But I don't think see it affecting it too much because I I usually I like to keep a schedule. I like keeping busy because with my day job, I get up at five thirty in the morning and then I get home around three thirty. And then just like, okay, eat, then write something, go to the gym, then go to shows. And that's just a schedule I've always had. I don't see living with other comedians changing that that much, but we'll see what happens. The joke you have about your hometown uh, in Wolseley, Saskatchewan, about the men beating the beaver to death. Yes. Is that true? It is 100% true. One detail I always leave out is that they used a chair. They beat a beaver to death with a chair in my hometown and it was on the national news because people were outraged. And 
I, I still remember hearing about it. It was uh, about four years ago now, and I heard that... Also, this, I was imagining this was in Frontier Times or something. No, this was four years ago. This was very recently. Like, they... It was the reason it got national news is because somebody filmed it and like uploaded it or CCTV, I think, footage caught it happening and it got uploaded to the Internet and people were outraged because, of course, they are. And I still remember hearing that and hearing, oh, the three people did that. And I immediately knew which three people did (laughs) without without question, without being like, oh, I think who could it be? I immediately just like, oh, that was Daniel. And that was, and then I found out, I'm just like, oh, I had the exact same three people. I knew immediately what idiots did that. So, so, so Wolsey's a pretty small town. It has a population of 958 people last I checked. So yes, quite small. Why did they do it? Do you know? They were drunk and they're always right. just mean, bad, dumb people. <laughs> There's a, a similar kind of phenomenon happens there's an island off the coast of where we're from in Perth, West Australia, called Rotnest, which mm-hmm. translates from Dutch to rat's nest. Oh, okay. Because it's covered in these animals that the original Dutch explorers thought were giant rats called quokkas. Yes. Have you heard of a quokka? Yes. Yeah. Right. For those who don't know the listeners, just Google it. Q-U-O-K-K-A. It's like a big fat rat or a tiny kangaroo. They're pretty cute, but uh, they're indigenous and unique to that land, but... Tourists and drunks often get in trouble for playing quokka soccer, which is a self-described sport. Yeah. It yeah. happens. You're not supposed to touch them, but they just have no fear of humanity whatsoever, and they come up and they'll climb up on you and come in your house and get in the oven and <sighs> yeah. all things I've seen. Yeah, I admittedly wouldn't like that that much, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't beat them to death with a chair. No. Or so, place. Do you get a lot of beavers around there? Uh, no, there's not a ton of beavers. Wildlife in general has been declining uh, just because global warming and all this terrible stuff that humans are doing. But uh, not a ton of beavers in Regina. I mean, so Wolseley, from what I remember, I remember sometimes there'd be a beaver in the dam because the town is built around this dam. And sometimes there'd be beavers in there, but not terribly often. Yeah. So did they just like wander into the town or did these guys go out with the chair looking for a beaver? It was it wandered into town. It was like on our main street. Right. In town outside the bar and that's where they spotted it. I think I think that's all the uh, all the info I can get about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not It's it's crazy. <laughs> I, I think I'll look up that story. Yeah, it made me very sad when I heard it, Bell. So I'm just like, ah, oh, that's a funny story to tell still, though. Oh, to change tack entirely. So how long have you been pursuing comedy? I've been doing comedy for eight years. I did my first set uh, less than a month outside of graduating high school, actually. But it's it's hard to it's weird to say I'm doing it for eight years because compared to like big cities, I haven't really. Because as I was saying in Rajani, you could do like five shows a month and that's a good month here. You could do five shows in a week. You could do more shows than five in a week. So it's hard to compare my first like six years doing comedy in Regina with doing six years in comedy in Vancouver. I, I personally think that they're not really that comparable. You know what I mean? Would you say you've done more in this last year and a half in Vancouver than Uh, the previous six and a half? Probably close to. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, What made you get started? I, I always watched comedy growing up like i don't know why i was just always attracted to it i just always liked it i'd watch like just for laughs 90s just for laughs when i was like five or six years old and i'd just be sitting there in the living room watching it. none of my family would be there it would just be me i didn't get understand 
any of the jokes, but I'm just like, this just seems like something fun to do. And I remember listening to the jokes and memorizing them and then going to school the next day and telling them to my friends on the playground. Uh, and yeah, and then they'd laugh and I'd be like, oh, this is good. So that's how I really started. And then my very first show was a talent show in Wolseley, my small hometown. They have this yearly event called Damn Days because, uh, again, they were built around a dam. And Damn Days is people get drunk in the street. That is all Damn Days is. And then they have uh, dance and a talent show. And the one year they were short on people. And the person running it is just like, Rory, do you want to do stand-up comedy? I'm just like, I've never done that before. And she said, you should just try it. And then I did, and I enjoyed it. I did win the contest. I am still very bitter about that. <laughs> and, and yeah, then I moved to Regina uh, a month later and found the one show that was happening and started doing it, yeah. So she just knew you had material on uh, the barrel already? I think I probably mentioned before, or people kind of... Sometimes you meet people and you're just like, oh, you should do stamp comedy. And most of the time, that's a terrible idea because being funny in person is very different than being funny on stage. Uh, but maybe she thought that or maybe I just mentioned how I liked watching comedy before. I'm not too certain what drove her to. I can't remember at all what drove her to ask me to do comedy or tell. I don't think she even asked me. She's just like, you're doing comedy. And I'm just like, OK, I'm a pushover. I'll do that. Uh yeah. Well, sh shout out to her, I guess. Yeah, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Krembeck. I still remember that. I remember the day before the talent show going over my entire set with her son, Jeremy, who was a good friend of mine at the time, and being like, is that something that's funny? He'd be like, yeah, that's very funny. You should tell it on stage. Uh, but he was also someone who did laugh. He's just he's just a very internal guy, so he doesn't laugh at many things. So just like, oh, I don't know if any of this stuff is actually working. Are you a fan of Mitch Hedberg? Uh, very much so. Because uh, before the show, you asked me what comedian I wanted to talk about. And he was the first one that came to mind. Because when I was in... Like, he was a hero of mine growing up, for sure. He was definitely the comedian that started me watching comedy. I remember any time he was on TV, I would try and watch. Even if it was just for being like, okay, this is on. Hopefully, I get to see Mitch Hedberg because I loved his stuff. I think he's one of the best writers who's ever been in stamp comedy. Yeah, I, I have been uh, hoping to talk about him. The, the reason I ask is, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this before, but you have a very similar cadence to him on stage i actually haven't been told that before uh but i i appreciate that because again he's one of my her heroes i remember for a while there i definitely was leaning into that probably a bit so i'm not terribly surprised i remember one set in particular i did uh a I had a really great set in Regina, but one of the comedians came up to me afterwards, just like, you're just doing Hedberg that entire time. I'm just like, I was doing Hedberg that entire time. So I kind of, it's something you gotta watch because he has such a specific, he's very specific in his comedy. I told this joke once. It's a joke that basically is only for comedians where it's basically like you do a Mitch Hedberg impression. But the thing about doing a Mitch Hedberg impression is once you do a Mitch Hedberg impression, it's hard to stop doing a Mitch Hedberg impression. And that's, a, that's just a joke for people who might, and like, that's not even a joke. That's just the premise of the joke. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a joke for people who might understand or know who Mitch Hedberg is, which is sadly becoming less and less every year. But I don't say it so much as uh, that I that I think you're copying the style or anything mm -hmm. so much as 
it's a similar energy. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it is, uh, as uh, as you said, pretty obvious when someone is just doing Mitch Hedberg. Mm-hmm. I sometimes worry that I'm copying Howard Kramer a bit because I listen to Who Charted every week. Yeah, and like I just find it, the way he says everything so funny. Like he could he could read the dictionary and I would laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because it's the same with Mitch Hedberg. Just mm-hmm. like the his timing, just in syllables and where he punches words. Yeah, is comical. But I mean, that came came about for him as a result of nerves rather than practice. I think, and then yeah, definitely. leaned into it. Yeah, he was a, a very nervous man. He was very uh, shy. He he didn't he didn't like doing stab at the beginning very much. It was just an outlet for him, basically. No, it he de- it definitely just became something he leaned into and became a. It was basically the stereotype of you take your weaknesses and they become your strengths in comedy, and that's like a textbook example of that. Basically, yeah. For anyone in CITR, thanks so much for tuning in. That's the end of our time slot, but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com. For anyone else, stick around. We've still got lots more to talk about with Rory. Everyone is Jonas is a live-streamed, competitive role-playing podcast hosted by me, Doug Vandalay. Me, Eric Ivanovich. And me, Talia Murdoch. On twitch.tv forward slash cavegoblins every Monday at 7.30pm PST. Now, before the show, I asked Rory about a comedic influence to talk about today, and he came back with John Mulaney. So what does John Mulaney mean to you? John Mulaney is probably one of the best comedians, I think, out there. Like, I I know he's not for everyone, I know, but to me, he's just like, he is able to look at something that nobody else, he has a point of view. He has a point of view. And it's strange to say it like that, but it's just like he is able to look at something and just see it in such a way that is so funny and so unique to him that that I'm just like, oh, I wish I could do that with just anything. And he's able to do that with just anything. And he's able to take what could be a one liner and just spin it out into this five minute diatribe of just anything. And it's just always so funny. It's so high energy uh, that I just love everything about it. Yeah. This could be said also to his detriment, but I feel like he's our generation Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, he gets that comparison a lot. Definitely, I've heard I that. Mean, it was be- the cause for concern with his show being shut down. We can move on to that. Yeah, I I never even bothered to watch that show because it just looked so awful. Uh, and I don't want to have him ruined for me. It was just so awful from what I hear. But to that, to me, to that, it just kind of that just seems like somebody who. Maybe that one time he just kind of listened to other people instead of listening to himself. And that's what led into that horrible, horrible show. And, you know, that happens to people uh, like Louis C.K., who I know people definitely don't like. But to me, he's just like he's still funny. He's still able to do comedy. He's a very funny man. I wish he was a better person in general. But he had before his breakthrough show, Louie, he had uh, Lucky Louie, which was a terrible sitcom that also failed. So, yeah. I thought I uh, hated Louie for the longest time because I watched Lucky Louie. And this is King of Queens with swear words. Yeah. And King of Queens is probably better. King of Queens? I, w- I was a big fan of King of Queens growing up. But you, you can see in retrospect that it's not... It's not high art. It's, it's, <laughs> it's silly, middle of the road. It's a paycheck for a bunch of writers yeah. and actors. Yeah, no, it's nothing amazing. Yeah. But yeah, and then, and then you were right to hate Louis, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, and then I had that misguided phase where I thought he was an auteur rather than just uh, a few other expletives. Where did you first come across Mulaney? 
Uh, my first, definitely the salt and pepper diner story, which is to me one of the best, one of the best bits I've ever heard. I still, I I can't remember exactly why I heard it, but it was definitely right around when I was graduating high school or right before then, like right when that album dropped, which I can't remember. It's it was it's kind of hard for me to uh, talk about too much because unlike a lot of other comedians, I don't watch a ton of comedy anymore. I uh, I don't like watching a bunch of it uh, like on Netflix and stuff because sometimes it just gets in my head a little bit too much. So I've watched I watched all of John Mulaney's stuff multiple times. But I can't remember the exact moment that I, I and I can't remember like when his albums came out and stuff like that. So I think it's a really interesting point you just brought up. Mm-hmm. Since I've started this show, I can't watch stand up specials anymore. I, I do when I really feel like it, but mm-hmm. I'm not as drawn to them as I used to be because, yeah, I think for the same sort of reasons, it just gets in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a stand up myself, but I talk about it all yeah. the time yeah you're a comedy nerd yeah that's a fair thing for me to say uh it's gonna be in my bio uh on our <laughs> website if i ever get around to posting that yeah yeah Charlie, i wrote my di- bio <laughs> said the same thing so I, I don't even have to be a self-described comedy nerd i've got it from uh, two sources now excellent yeah yeah no uh yeah i i I do basically, because for the longest time, I basically never watched comedy specials and all the comedians in Regina would tell me about special. I'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds good. But I just, because I'm much more of a new movie nerd. Like I do comedy, but I'm more of a movie nerd. Uh, like I watch probably around 200 to 300 films in a year, uh, which is a lot for some people. <laughs> but so yeah, if I ever had the chance, I'd be like, oh, I'd rather watch a movie than a comedy special. But now it's kind of like at the point where I'm forcing myself to watch more comedy. Uh, Cause again, while it does get in my head sometimes, a lot of times it's just good to see people succeeding <laughs> in the business that's sometimes very nice to see for sure did, did you catch kid kid georges oh kid I, georges kid gorgeous oh i loved kid gorgeous yeah. i actually saw kid gorgeous i saw him on tour here he was here last november and i went to see him with some other comedians and uh i got to see him work sell the material which is always very fun and nice i still remember uh one joke didn't go over well, and then he added on a tag to it, and then I also didn't go over well, and him just be like, it didn't work the first time, why would it work the second? And I'm just like, that is, f- I love seeing that from a pro comedian, because <laughs> sometimes it's just like, it's nice to see the work p- yeah. being put in sometimes, yeah. That show specifically, I was very happy to receive a no from his agent uh, about interviewing him oh, really? when he came from that show. I was like, well, that feels, I could reply. Yeah. Which is big. Yeah, that's that's the biggest no I've got from. I can't. Colin Mockery's agent also gave me a no. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's like a interviewing for a job. It's always nice when they tell you you didn't get it. Yeah, definitely. Instead of the un, un, unavoidable silence, the deaf deafening silence, it's nice to hear something back from the void. Definitely. Yeah, it means you're getting somewhere. It means you you know that uh, your emails are. A landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I first came across Mulaney with the Salt and Pepper Diner bit as well. Mm-hmm. I think I'd heard it three or four times before I even knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then putting two and two together when I realized he was George St. Giglin in Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. Um, which is, I'm not sure what, that's where the character came about first, but it's where I first heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, Gil and George. I don't know if you listened to CBB. I don't listen to it much. I 
jump in every now and then, but it's not something that I've ever been too attached to. Yeah. I go through phases of it when I keep up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was a writer on SNL winning a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Music and Lyric, uh, which is cool. He's one of the only uh, writers who came back to host who was never a cast member. Yeah. It was him and Conan and one other. I think maybe the album you're talking about was New in Town. Yes. No, wait. New in Town. uh, That was, it was the one before that. It was uh, top 10 maybe, Uh, because New in Town was his first video special, but Salt and Pepper Dinah was on his album that came out before that. Right, right. Well, New in Town is very good. And um, that was before the show Mulaney. I mean, it led to uh, Mm -hmm. him getting that pilot. And then with Martin Short was in that show as well. Yes. And yeah, as as we were mentioning before, some of the reviews, people were saying it's just a copy of Seinfeld. And Mm -hmm. they did a self-referential joke in there Mm -hmm. in the second episode that it basically was Seinfeld. Yeah. The, the, the harsh review I saw was that it had everything from Seinfeld except the intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I wish it was better for John Mulaney, but also a lot for Martin Short, because I just want Martin Short to do so much better. Because to me, he's also, again, one of the funniest people to ever lived, and also he's Canadian, which is always nice to plug in there. But he's just always someone who's kind of like... He is one of the funniest people that a lot, and a lot of people love his stuff, but he never seemed to be the star no. that other, a bunch of other comedians and people of his talent ever became kind of thing. It's always something that's kind of curious to me, yeah. I feel like he is to Steve Martin as David Spade is to Adam Sandler. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And um, which is, uh, you know, kind of a comedy nerd thing to say. But uh, yeah, uh, Martin Short is touring with Steve Martin at the moment. Yes. They're doing the... Uh, the, the I can't remember what it's called. It basically, like, oh, uh, the, uh, what, yeah. They it should released, be called Martin and Martin, but it isn't. Yeah, it, they released it as a Netflix special first. An Unmemorable Evening, I think, is some, something like that. An Unremarkable Evening with Mar- Martin and Steve. And they released it as a Netflix special, which was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It has a bunch of fun bits, and it has them both doing their their shtick and i i have always enjoyed their shtick so yeah i was a big fan of three amigos growing up that was one of my favorite movies as a kid and i haven't watched it in years and i'm very curious as to how it holds up it does hold up we watched it recently oh excellent. it's very good it's i notice a lot different jokes mm-hmm. i enjoy i don't enjoy it the same way i used to i enjoy it a completely different way but it was one of my favorites as well very worn out vhs tape in my household yeah so you went on to do comeback kid after that which is one of the best stand-up specials i think i've ever yes. seen yeah i love that special and it's it's a it, it was a brave thing to call it that but it, it worked out because it's he has one of the best comebacks i've ever seen scene of of mm-hmm. anyone he, he's probably one of the most popular stand-ups in the world right now oh easily yeah yeah uh, i think he gets like 50 grand for an appearance fee now mm-hmm. which you know makes sense why you would say no to come on this show <laughs> but uh <laughs> this show didn't exist yet that was to write for a college paper so you know even worse maybe you come on this who knows come back kid what are some of the that's that's the one where he talks about the uh xanax i think going to the doctor i believe so yes yeah one of his better jokes. My favorite joke from that has to be the uh, the cow bit, the Italian cow bit, uh, where he's talking about how uh, why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? And he's just like, were people stealing milk from cows? And then you'd milk the cow and they'd be like, hey, you can't milk that cow. That cow's yours now. He's just like, uh-uh, I didn't buy this cow. I just got the milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I don't remember that bit, but I, you know, I can, I can see it perfectly. Yeah, from the way he described it. Uh, and then obviously, Kroll Show was a big one with Oh Hello, um, yeah. sketch with Nick Kroll that went on to the the Broadway, the Broadway show. show. Yeah, and they're currently trying to become Oscar hosts. If you did not, <laughs> they're. I'm not. I don't know how serious it is, but they're doing a like they're doing a drive to be to host the Oscars as those two characters. I hope they get it. They're definitely not going to get it, but I hope they get it. It would be amazing. Yeah. I would watch the Oscars. Yeah, I would too. I used to like it. I stopped watching the Oscars after uh, Sandra Bullock won for Blind The Blind Side. Yeah. And then when uh, Nightcrawler didn't even get a nomination, it was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. I See, I still watch them every year. I'm a big Oscar fan, uh, but I realize that they don't mean anything, but at the same time, I'm just like, I just love the The whole thing's just an ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I love everything about it. I don't know why. Maybe I'll watch it next year. Kid Gorgeous. uh, I think we talked about that already. Mm -hmm. Uh, You a fan of Big Mouth? I've never actually seen Big Mouth. uh, Just the way I watch the way I work with TV shows and stuff. I work on rotation of this weird system I have. But basically, I'm 20 years behind everyone else. I'm currently watching Smallville. So just to catch up on that. So so I'm a bit behind on, on the current television, but uh, it's definitely on my list, my giant, giant list of TV shows to eventually watch. I want to hear about this system you have. So... I am one of the few people who still buy physical media. I like having Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff. So I am currently I currently watch six TV shows at a time. I pick three of the TV shows that I own that I have physical copies of, and I watch one, then the second, then the third, and then I have three that are on Netflix that I watch. So I watch the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, and I just have that on rotation. So once a week, if I watch all of them, I will watch one episode from each show. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess. Do you try and mix it up like three drama, three comedy or anything? No, no. It's just uh, randomly picked from my collection, basically. We try and do that. We have one heavy dramatic show going and then a lighthearted comedic one that you can have while uh, eating dinner or something. Yeah. I'm not a fan of binging. I don't like binging too much just because I like being able to sit with the material a bit more. I like being able to think, okay, even for comedies, I like just being like, what was that joke? Why is that so funny kind of thing? I like sitting with material more than just sitting there being like consume, 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 consume. So what what is your most rewatched series? Most rewatched series is probably a toss up between Scrubs I love that TV show, uh, Chuck, and 30 Rock. Those would probably be my th- three most rewatched. You a fan of Kimmy Schmidt? Have you got around to that yet? I actually haven't got around to Kimmy Schmidt yet. It's pretty much just like 30 Rock kept going. Yeah. Same kind of comedy. It's really good. Yeah. I like it a lot. You'll like that when you get around to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you working on right now? So I'm hoping to start a new show. I have this idea for a new, it would be like maybe a monthly or like probably a more like a quarterly show. Uh, the idea is basically I'm going to find some super weird online dating profiles and it's going to be a panel show with comedians and we're just going to, I'm just going to have like a slideshow of these super weird dating profiles and the comedians are just going to riff on the people in these dating profiles. And then we're going to, I'm going to make profiles for the comedians on the show too, and have, have the comedians fix quote unquote each other's profiles. And I don't, I don't have anything set for that. That's just an idea that I have. I really want to do, uh, 
Sounds like a can of worms. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be it's it's a bit more complicated, a bit more stuff to do with it. But I I really like the idea. And uh, sorry, uh, Vancouver or Canada, really in general, don't have many panel shows. It seems we don't like uh, British panel shows. I'm a big fan of those. Uh, but we don't have like more than one comedian on stage most of the time. And I kind of want more of a dynamic, more like riffing with other comedians and stuff. Uh, so that's what I'm working on right now that's main focus kind of thing cool uh is there anything you want to plug uh no it just uh if you want to take a listen to the show must go on you can find us on wherever you find podcasts uh or our facebook page facebook.com slash shogo podcast or twitter give us a follow at shogo podcast uh and yeah if you're in kitsilano you can come out to laughathon uh every Wednesday night at sharky sharky grill and where can people follow you uh, people can follow me uh, I on any social media. You can find me at, at the true Rory. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and whatever else is out there in the world. Well, thanks so much for coming tonight, Rory. And thank you for having me. This was lots of fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Cave Goblins, and check out what we're doing over on CaveGoblins.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It's absolutely the best way to support the show at no cost. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. I'm Doug Vandalay. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.